This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome everyone to the Retail Insider Podcast. I'm Craig Patterson and I'm joined here today with David Goldman, President of uh, Independent Retailer Boys Co., um, which is in the process of uh, winding down uh, after a very illustrious history. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So welcome, David. Uh, wonderful to be here, Craig. Good to uh, be talking with you. Excellent. Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, Boys Co. in its current form, a uh, youthful multi-brand menswear retailer. Tell me a little bit about the concept. Boy, uh, Boys Co. started out uh, in 1984 at the then newly renovated Oak Ridge Centre. went from an outdoor mall to an indoor mall and and greatly expanded. It was, I think, the first Abercrombie and Fitch store was located there in Canada way back when, when it was its original iteration, going back, not the A&F uh, that, uh, that we know today. Um, Boys Co. started uh, out of a desire for us to have a banner for all these new so-called designer brands that were coming out uh, uh, in that era. Uh, at that time, we had jean shops called bus stop stores. And it didn't really seem to be the kind of home where the brands that we had access to would would sit well. So as we were building what was then going to be an additional bus stop store location, I realized it needed its own home for the brands that I'd seen begun to buy, which could have been a department within the bus stop stores, but uh, really needed its own name. So we we did a little bit of uh, soul searching and, and I came up with the name Boys Co., called Boys Company, but we shortened it to Boys Co. And, um, and, and the day we opened, I realized we needed yet more uh, so-called designer brands. So the week later, I hopped on a plane to New York, uh, found a lot of new and wonderful things. Then we started going to Paris every six months at that time and continued doing so for the next 15, 18 years, not just Paris, but trade shows in Cologne and New York City and London and what have you. But Paris had the best conglomeration uh, at a show there, which uh, was called SEM, S-E-H-M. It was on the outskirts of Paris. And we got to know that town really, really well and all the wonderful stores that it had there, fashion brands that it had in their wholesale district called the Santier. And uh, reminiscing of, uh, about those days with a lot of friends in the in the industry that have uh, been in touch with me this past week when we announced uh, in, in a very methodical way that uh, we're going to wind down our stores at the end of the year. What we had to do first was talk to our landlords and then we had to talk to our staff uh, before it got out into the public. And so the first thing we did was sit down one on one with all the folks that work for us. Uh, let them know. We let our key people know that because of the pandemic, there was a little uncertainty in the industry. And and we gave our key people lots and lots of notice last year with the idea that uh, we need to have a strategy to an extra strategy to, to close our stores uh, because we, we uh, we've had a good run and it was just time to, to think about how that would uh, be, when would that would be and how that would look like. Mm -hmm. And uh, so after we talked to our staff, Literally the next day we talked to our suppliers and said, look, we're not going to be taking in any more fall product or, or new full price merchandise. Uh, that said, we might buy some off price goods and things of that nature because we need to have kind of a some form of a going out of business sale, whatever that looks like. Will we call it that? I don't know. But uh, it's it's time to liquidate the products we have in our stores and then we'll start closing our stores one by one out of, you know, for three stores. It's not a lot, but I know that between now and the end of the year, uh, at least two, I'm hoping two of our three stores will be done. I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. Um, 
I know one for sure. And then into uh, 2022, maybe one or two months later, they'll all be gone along with uh, maybe our e-commerce site. We do have the intellectual property uh, of Boys Co, uh, not just the Boys Co name, but our e-commerce site and, and house brands that uh, could be up for grabs. We'll see what that looks like. Uh, we've talked to a couple of people. Um, that's not a priority for us. Our priority is, is to look after all of our people and see how that goes. And um, I've already had requests from other other manufacturers and designers that, hey, when you are done, let us know towards the end. And we'd love to talk to a couple of your folks. So that's a long-winded way of saying we've had a great run and and thank you. Oh, excellent, excellent. The company has uh, three stores currently, Metropolis and Metro Town in Burnaby, Guilford Town Center in Surrey, and the Coquitlam Center in Coquitlam as well. That's correct. Um, there are other locations in the past, uh, ranging from Yale Town to Robson Street. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about the past of Boys Co. Well, we opened Robson. Uh, that was our second well, That was our second or third Boys Co. store. We were in Pacific Center at one time, but but uh, no, that's, yes, we were in Pacific Center, but then we opened Robson. Then after a couple of years, we realized we didn't need both and we felt Robson was the better spot. So we closed Pacific Center. We've been in Richmond Center, but uh, at that time, uh, the mall was going through a renovation. They were going to move us. Uh, so we said, well, we'll leave now. And then we chose to open up in Guilford at that same time. Uh, it was the same landlord, Ivanhoe Cambridge, uh, of who has always been really, really nice to us. Even though they're an international company, uh, we got to know the local team very well still the same folks we've been dealing with for maybe 20 years or so at this point. So we were thrilled to be a tenant of theirs. Um, we were in Yale town with the store called the Boys Co general store. It was, we added women's at that time. We'd never done women's at Boys Co and haven't since, oh. but we added women's, we had a cafe, we sold some uh, cosmetic type goods and skincare products and uh, had some, little cute little furniture type items, things for the home gifts. Uh, it was a great fun concept. So that, it lasted five years. And uh, then someone came along and wanted to buy our lease. We figured, you know, we had a good run here in Yelltown. And um, so uh, it, we just felt it was time to move on. So we've tried lots of different things, lots of different brands over the years. We've had banners that range for from Ivy League looks that my dad started in the early 60s called the Ivy Room to a shop that I forgot to mention in my press release uh, called Levi's Only. That was in the 1970s. We had a Levi's Only store called it Levi's Only. And what I also forgot, because it was more current to mention that in of all the banners we had was a Jay Lindeberg store in Metrotown. We had that for five years. <laughs> and oh, yeah. we closed it about three, four years ago and it slipped my mind. My good friend, Al Israel from uh, Trilux um, uh, and I uh, were partners on that and uh, they provided goods. We had the retail location. We had a great run with them. We had stores called Magnet, which were unisex shops. We had stores called the Clothing Market that were discount stores. We had an upscale men's store called Goldman and Son, hmm. which was an offshoot from our Murray Goldman stores under my dad's name. And he started this uh, big crazy business of ours 75 years ago. So when I say we've had a good run, we've had a great run. Oh yeah. Let's talk a little bit about um, the, the Murray Goldman's uh, retail concept. It was started in 1946, I think on uh, West Hastings street. That's correct. And, Hastings it can be. And had some pretty fancy brands. Let's talk about that a bit too. Well, originally it didn't have fancy brands, but uh, when my dad opened up his Granville street store in about 1965, 
he really felt he'd arrived because Granville was the street. Hastings was the retail street in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And yes, he had brand names and the, the brands of the day and and, uh, and I wish I could remember them all, but uh, but when he got to Granville, again, he, I, I said he'd, he'd really arrived. So he had brands like uh, Gucci and Brioni and Givenchy and, and, and brands like that uh, and, and other high-end brands. There was a knitwear brand out of Italy called Gino Paoli. I don't know that any of your listeners would, would know that brand, but I found a vintage piece uh, of dead stock from a shop in San Francisco about seven, eight, nine years ago. And I have that piece in my wardrobe. It happened to fit me perfect. It had the label, it had the hang tag, and uh, it brought back a lot of memories. Gino Paoli. Mm. All handmade in Italy, knitwear mostly. Now, were, were men in the past in Vancouver, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, they, they would have been wearing some of these brands, obviously, if they were carried in the store, because Vancouver sort of had this reputation in years past of not being overly fashion forward. <laughs> you know, it's granola and it's, you know, Birkenstocks, which actually are in, in fashion right now, funny enough. But, you know, things have changed with fashion over the last while, uh, you know, in Vancouver and beyond. Well, it, that's true. Vancouver did have that reputation. And, and I think it was maybe an East Coast interpretation of places like Vancouver. But we were very much a California-influenced uh, West Coast vibe. And, and I get that that uh, maybe out-of-towners felt that way. But it was guys like my dad that uh, started dressing men in the 1960s uh, of, a, of a higher profile nature. And he introduced brands like that to them. Uh, he was on the floor himself. No one loved his brands or selling the public more than my dad did. And he was a true merchant. He was a one-on-one -on -one with the customer. He loved dressing his own windows. He loved buying and buying his brands. In fact, his fav the favorite item he liked to buy uh, at a showroom were neckwear. Because neckwear, you could, you could dress up or dress down an otherwise inelegant outfit with the best tie. And, and he would do that and, you know, add a pocket hanky to an outfit and, and really take pride in not just how he dressed, but how he dressed his customer. And do you know how he got, uh, he, he wouldn't longer be with us, of course, but how he got started in the retail industry back in 1946? Well, I'll tell you, uh, when he was a kid in Montreal growing up, uh, first of all, his family was very poor. He quit school in grade eight, basically to help out the family. He sold Fuller Brushes door to door, Fuller Brush salesman. And I think that's a well-known brand that some of your listeners might know of. And then he got a job in a clothing store in Montreal called Courtley's. He might have been 16, 17 at the time, and the Courtleys allowed him to sell shirts and ties and sweep the floors. He wasn't allowed to sell suits or sport jackets, but he learned the business then. And not long after that, he uh, enlisted in the Canadian Army as, as what you did in those days. And he was stationed out in Vancouver uh, Island and came into Vancouver on the weekends met my mom in, in the early forties and, and he stayed and he got married in 44 and his first job was at the Hudson's Bay company. That's how he got involved in, in Vancouver fashion. And he worked there for a couple of years, thought he could do a better job and had an opportunity to, to open a store. And that's exactly what he did. Oh, excellent. Oh, it'd be so interesting to hear about and, what Vancouver was like in the forties and the yeah, and, and that was that was it. And, and I heard stories from him of what it was like working on the floor and this and that. But um, he really thought he had this opportunity. And then everybody in those days could do things uh, for uh, uh, there wasn't much of a barrier to entry. In his case, he needed 
3000 bucks to open the store. And he scraped together that maybe borrowed some from my grandfather, uh, not his dad, but my, my mom's dad, because uh, they had been living in Vancouver for a while. His family was still in Montreal. After he became a little bit successful, he moved his family out to Vancouver. So his parents and all that and came out. My, my grandfather uh, and my dad were born, born in Poland, but my grandfather came over in the 1920s to see if there was a better life in Montreal. His better life was getting a job uh, operating a steam press machine in a ladies' coat factory. Then he sent for my father and his, his family from Poland to Vancouver, I'm uh, sorry, to Montreal. And uh, that was it. That was like, it was, you know, you're in the needle trade, so to speak. And, uh, and being my dad, my grandfather operating a, a steam press machine, my father working in a clothing store in, in, uh, in the, would have, what would have been the 19, late 1930s, uh, into early forties, then going to the army, then working for the Bay. And it's what you did. He was an entrepreneur. And, and, and as I may have mentioned to you in the past, the, the way to promote his store was to promote himself. That's what he did. So he, um, he really was uh, more like in the entertainment business because he would write and, and voice and appear in all his radio, TV commercials and what have you. And that was a stage. Wow. And working the floor was, was what he did. Oh, let's do it. So that was, that was what allowed me to get into the business with them when I was 21, I'd worked in, I'd worked in England in the past, as you've mentioned uh, in, in your uh, press release. And, uh, and I don't want to say the rest is history because there was an awful lot of stuff that went on in between, but this is what we did. And we had fun at it. We, we, my dad gave me the opportunity to get involved in the business, start these new concepts uh, and travel the world, learn the industry meet wonderful people such as yourself, suppliers, anybody involved in the business, I want to talk to because it's it's fun for me. I enjoy that. I, I will enjoy, if called upon, mentoring new people in the business. And uh, and why not? I have something to pass on, I think. And uh, and I'm blessed to be able to, to have a happy ending to this wonderful 75-year family company and 36-year run with Boys Club. Yeah. 36, 37. We're in our 37th year now. Oh, and you know, when we ran the article, I was really surprised at how many people actually reached out to me saying, oh my God, you know, or at least just mentioning this to me because I was the author saying, oh my goodness, this is such sad news. David is so wonderful. We, you know, love the business. Some (laughs) of these people were suppliers. Some people had actually worked for you. There's a real people aspect to retail, isn't there? Yeah. I saw a lot of those posts and, um, and it's nice that people say, oh, this is so sad. I hope they're sad for the loss of a, an independent retailer in the industry as opposed to being sad for me. I'm not sad. This has been planned out. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm the opposite of sad. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to have this opportunity and be able to wind it down in, in, in a very methodical and practical manner. And I have a few months left to be able to say goodbye to, to friends and customers. And, and quite frankly, I'll be around after mm-hmm. that. It just won't be in a traditional uh, retail format. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, David, the person's not going exactly. anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the stores are shutting down, but the world isn't ending, right? You know, and you'll still have a family oh, business sure. after this as well. Like <laughs> Murray Goldman will still exist, probably more as, as a real estate investment entity. Would that be correct? 
Exactly. Our, our family business is called Goldman Investments Limited, the investment arm of it. And, um, and this is um, just a continuation of, of how we, uh, we continue to honor my dad's legacy by, uh, and, and, and feed our family. You know, we, we've been doing that anyways over the years. Now we've just ramped up the other side of it. Yeah, yeah. And your son, Sam, um, was certainly integral to the company. I came over to your office. I lived in Vancouver years ago, of course, came over to the office yeah, and met your son, Sam, as well. And, and he was certainly yeah. brought into the business for a number of years as well. He was. He's 44 years old now. He's been at it uh, since he was 21. So he's had a good run in doing both aspects of our business, retail and, and the investment side. And, um, and so he's going he's gonna to continue along with me. We have an office here. Uh, it's a place to hang our hat and, um, and really uh, continue on in a very comfortable environment, whether we come in full, de- full days every day or not things get done. Our, our offices tend to be our cell phones in, in many ways. So lots of people today, but uh, I like sitting down at a desk and staring at my desktop computer. And I find I'm more efficient that way. So whether I come in for eight hours a day or two hours a day, uh, or take a, take a week or two off, you know, uh, things will still get done. And I want to add to this. There's been a, a guy that's worked with our company for the better part of 35 years. His name is Michael Rowley. I think you may have met him before, Craig. I'm not sure. Uh, but lots of people have heard me mention him. And, and here's a guy who's been our right and left arms and, and helped us run the show for so many years. Um, uh, we'll, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say we'll miss him because he's still with us and he will continue to be with us, hopefully in some form, uh, until he wants to go. But, uh, but here's a guy that uh, has always said to me, and he been and been an integral part, I might add, of of the winding down of Boisco. And he said he said amongst many things. First of all, the thing he says most to me when I say, "Hey, I'm thinking of getting this done and doing this and blah blah that and so and so is at the store and and what have you." And 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 he just says, "I'm on it." <laughs> and so, aside from that, he said he has said, "I'll be the guy to shut out the lights because he's." that loyal, that dedicated. And I've been that fortunate to have a guy like that work with me. And I don't know if you remember the stores, but you probably do. He worked for competitive ours and our GM at the time uh, hired him away. Michael, uh, Michael, our GM had worked for competitive ours and um, it was called Black Sheep Stores. And Black Sheep Stores go back to the 70s in the days of the earliest thrifties incarnation, big steel hmm. shops, which were owned by dialects and, and uh, so many others. Uh, uh, this was when we had our bus stop store. So Boisco wasn't even born yet. So we're talking uh, 35. Well, no, Boisco was just born, but he was still working for our bus stop jean shops because he was uh, under our then general manager, whose name was Larry Bloom. That goes back a long time too. another fellow who was a loyal guy was with us for about a dozen or so years. And um, we still keep in touch. He's the guy that hired Michael Rowley. Uh, Michael Rowley's been with us 35 years. We've been blessed. That part of our company is history, but um, Black Sheep was a fond memory. Well, it was based in Edmonton, by the way, owned by a guy named Sal Toffoli, who, if I recall correctly, went on to own some car washes or something like that. Oh, wow. Sal Toffoli, more about- an Edmonton guy. So that's where you're from, I think. Yeah, yeah, I was born in Edmonton. So yeah. you, can, you can find out about Black Sheep stores from someone older than you. <laughs> <laughs> 
fewer and fewer of those all the time, right? No, that's interesting because I like learning about retail history and this is one I'm not familiar with at all. So I'll definitely look into that, this. That thing. is a big steal. They were amongst my biggest competitors for our jean shops of the day. So funny. Yeah, yeah. And big steal, I certainly, yeah, I remember that name for sure. I mean, that was a bit of a bigger name, I think. Uh, and over the years, I mean, in Vancouver, I guess even beyond, but we'll talk about Vancouver, um, you know, menswear and fashion and retail has certainly changed. Uh, what have you observed, you know, from say the 80s into this, contemporary time period you know we've seen Nordstrom come in we've seen Holt Renfrew expand uh, you know what wh- wh- are your observations around how things well, funny hey, you're right Vancouver uh, was kind of like a, a hidden secret so to speak and and we when we started voice going for the first many many years you really have a lot of competition yeah there was a little independent here and there what have you uh, we didn't really consider the department stores like the bay or wherever it was at the time uh, big competitors. I guess it was even Woodward's if you go back because uh, they were just general stores more than anything. And, and yeah, they had a few brands that we had, but we had literally um, edited a selection of brands into one 15, 1800 foot environment. And it was easy to shop with us. And if you shopped at Boys Co, you liked a lot of what we did. Then Holt Renfrew opened and and then uh, another great independent opened and then a Harry Rosen opened. Now, Harry Rosen wasn't even a competitor in those days because they were men's stores and we were young men's designer stores. But but I can tell you over the last 10 or 15 years, I always thought Holt's and certainly Nordstrom's, but in particular Harry Rosen to be our biggest competitor because that store had more brands that we also carried. And so those were the guys that we had to fight against to to get brands or carry brands with. And then as Boysco progressed uh, and a lot of these other brands opened up their own shops, whether they'd be on Alberni or what have you, it made it increasingly difficult for little independents like us to get brands um, in addition to the Holtz and Harry's and Nordstrom's of the world, because to those brands, well, we got, we got those stores. We don't need another independent. And, and we felt, you know, that, that made it more difficult for us. We still made our mark. We still have wonderful brands on our store. You go on our website today, you'll see whether it's Stone Island or Mustino or Versace or Y3, lots and lots and lots of wonderful brands. Uh, could have we bought more and had different things? Well, we did. We did that over the years. We did lots of wonderful high-end and and diffusion brands of of all the wonderful designers, mostly Italy, over the years, and and have been very proud to have those in our store. But yes, uh, uh, more and more uh, additional multi-brand, great multi-brand retailers like Nordstrom and Holtz and Harry's have have dominated, and good for them. Uh, What we'll miss is seeing more independents like us who can make their mark. And you've got Haven in Vancouver and, and a couple of other whose names escape me at the moment. But uh, but uh, look, everybody, including a Harry Rosen, even including a Nordstrom, they all started out with one small store. No one decided to open up a giant multi-brand department store one day. They all started out as one little store and grew, and that'll happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and you know, another trend we're seeing, I don't think it really hit Boys Code quite the same way, but is the brands actually opening their own stores, you know, direct to consumer, I guess you'd say on the, on the absolutely. street. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a factor too. There's a couple like that. Uh, you got a Stone Island, I think in Toronto, but I think yep. they're, they have plans for Vancouver one day. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, things like that. Um, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. That's gross. That's oh, how yeah. our industry evolves today. 
what it looks like in five years or 10 years, who knows? I'll be an observer and be happy to do so. <laughs> okay, exactly, exactly. I think things are going to change quite quickly. I mean, again, a lot of brands going direct to consumer. They can do it online. They can do it in their stores, right? Yeah. And by the way, I get to be consumer too. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I always have been a consumer. I love <laughs> shopping at other stores for myself, a special piece here, there, wherever it could be in, in my travels to London and Paris or Toronto and New York. And that won't change. <laughs> oh, excellent. Let's talk private label for a sec, because years ago, uh, Boys Co, you know, certainly had a private uh, label, I guess you'd say program in terms of, you know, talk about the t-shirts and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, indeed. We had private label uh, called Boys Co for the longest time. And um, and we, we built that up. It started with t-shirts and then we added categories, got things made mostly in Vancouver. And then it kind of went away in about... Uh, 10, I'm guessing 10 years ago, we said, let's do private label again, but give it a brand name, make it a brand, make it look as if it's another brand, global brand. And how are we going to do that? Well, we came up with a name. We came up with labels. We came up with, uh, you know, even to me, the, the care content label on the inside had to look like it was a brand. So as much attention went into that label as the outside label. And we had different logos for it. That brand is called Workshop. Workshop is part of our intellectual property. We stopped making that about two years ago when the minimums got to be uh, too challenging for us because we were getting things made mostly in California, Vancouver and California. We didn't go offshore because those minimums would have killed us, but we still had to buy fabric and buttons and zippers and, and findings of all kinds. And, um, and, uh, and to make something, you know, you you have to make a hundred or 200 and have colors and stuff like that. And, um, it got to be a little bit too daunting for this little independent in Vancouver, but we made our mark. It was a brand. We had lots of classifications and it was great. Had a lot of fun doing so. I was going to Los Angeles once a month with my son, Sammy, buying fabric, meeting manufacturers, getting things made. Uh, we even resurrected resurrected the Boys Go t-shirt at one time and had more of those. So, yeah, no, it's all been good. It's all been good. It's all been great. And I'll tell you the word I use the most. It's all been fun. <laughs> and that's what's important because if you're having fun, it doesn't feel like work. No, Wait, exactly. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's excellent. Is there anything else in terms of you want to talk about with Boys Co? Well, uh, with Boys Co, we, we've uh, had great opportunities to have all these brands on our stores and visit showrooms and, and meet people. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity to go into these wonderful showrooms over the years. And, and, and we carried uh, the polo brand in, in Boys Co for a few years. And uh, the nicest showrooms I've ever seen have been Ralph Lauren's showrooms. Uh, the, the best merchandising of any stores I've ever been in have been all of his brands, Ralph Lauren's brands. And so I'll say that because these things and, and, and going into other showrooms, Armani, another showroom that were off the charts great. Uh, these things really excited me. I mean, I am not just a lover of fashion, but a student of fashion. And I've been, I, I found brands for our souls by trolling the internet and going online. Oh, there's this brand, Bubba, and let's see if they're going to be at this trade show, or maybe if I'm going to be in London or or somewhere in New York, I can get a hold of these guys. And and we chase brands. We chase brands that some of them came to us, lots of them came to us, but we had to go after them too. That was another fun part uh, of my uh, of my career was being a brand chaser, and uh, and it was terrific. And ending up at showrooms and doing business with people and meeting all the wonderful folks that I got to meet across a, 
a showroom uh, table. That was, oh, yeah. that was the best. And, and then building those brands and merchandising them into the existing brands in our stores and announcing new brands and doing our marketing and creative stuff, uh, mostly print in the day. And then of course it became electronic, but, um, but, uh, but I want to thank you, Craig, for giving me this opportunity to, to say hello to your listeners and, and viewers. And, um, and really it's been, it's been great. I'm grateful for the run we've had. And, uh, like I said at the beginning of this conversation with you today, thank you. Thank you so much, David. And uh, I, I mean, the next chapter I think is going to be great. Uh, Boys Co has been such a wonderful retailer over the years. We'll miss it, but uh, you know, it's uh, there's going to be some really great memories, I think. And it sounds like there's just so many people that have been involved that are wonderful. And and you know, like I said, I've gotten so many messages uh, from people, you know, saying great things about uh, the retailer over the years, and yourself, of course, too. Well, that's great. Well, we're not going to be strangers. I can tell you that. So thank you for that as well. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, this has been David Goldman, president uh, of uh, Vancouver-based Boys Co., which is uh, winding down its operations here into early 2022. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the editor-in-chief of Retail Insider. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Take care and bye for now. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning. And it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. Thank you everyone for listening. And until next time.